Thanks for checking out sermons from Pleasant Valley Community Church. We hope these messages encourage, convict, and inspire you to love and follow Jesus more faithfully as we seek to saturate our city with the hope of the gospel. Our online resources are meant to serve you, but they aren't a replacement for the face-to-face relationships that we were built for. So we really hope that if you're in Owensboro, you'll join us in person on a Sunday morning. And if you live elsewhere, you'll find a local church in your community where you can put down roots and find family. For more resources and to give financially to support the missions and ministries of Pleasant Valley, find us on social media or visit our website at www.pleasantvalley.cc. What a response. Well, I'm Brad Rhodes. I lead our marriage ministry. And um, I'll ask the husband the question. How many of you it ever gets on your nerves when your wife gives you advice? <laughs> See, I saw a hand pretty quickly go up. I won't mention who it is. But for me, I'm like, Marilyn gives me advice. I get bothered by it. I don't respond well. And about two days later, I do what she said. I could save myself a lot of trouble. But literally, me not listening to her advice almost killed me. And I mean that literally. We were in Colorado with two of our kids, and we were hiking. And it was in the afternoon, and this is what it looked like shortly before my almost death. And we get to the, we drive an hour to the top of a mountain. It's a three-tenths of a mile hike to the peak. That's like five minutes. Well, it looks a little dreary. It's sprinkling. Marilyn says, Brad, do you really think we ought to go up there? It looks kind of rainy. I said, oh, babe, it's five minutes. We'll be fine. Well, we hiked five minutes to the top. I asked my daughter, Abby, for the phone. And right when she reaches it out, bam. I mean, it's like I feel like somebody stuck my head in an electrical outlet. My daughter described it as I felt like I was tased over a large surface area. We all four got struck by lightning. And literally, I'm like, like started to walk and I thought, I'm not gonna collapse and die. And you know, my, my 13-year-old screaming, my daughter Abby's excited because she thinks the coolest thing that's ever happened to her. I'm like, Abby, we almost died dead. This is like, this is the core memory. But you know, but we had a lot of warnings. You know, my wife said, let's not do it. Um, the, the weather seemed to say, don't do it. Uh, I thought, we're fine. Just a five-minute hike. Well, we almost weren't fine. And what happens in marriage is there are a lot of warning signs. One spouse wants attention. Let's grow in communication. Let's see a counselor. Let's do this. Oh, we're fine. We're okay. We'll be all right. And then, bam, it's not okay. I do quite a bit of crisis counseling in almost every single case. One of them says, I don't know what happened. Everything seemed fine. Well, in 40 to 50% of marriages, things turn out not to be fine and they end in divorce. And why does this happen? We aren't giving marriage the honor and priority it needs and deserves. We are not holding it in honor. In Hebrews 13, 4, it says, let marriage be held in honor among all. Now, for you singles, that includes you, among all. So if you're single and you're already starting to check out of the sermon, oh, darn, it's Marriage Sunday and I showed up, you're part of the answer. 
because it's to be held in, 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 to hold something in honor. It's a big deal in Scripture. It means to appreciate, to cherish, to recognize it as a priceless treasure. Listen to what John Piper says. Let marriage always be thought of as precious. Let it be treasured like gold and silver and rare jewels. Let it be revered and respected in the noblest, most virtuous person you have ever known. In other words, when you think of marriage, let yourself be gripped by emotions of tremendous respect and sanctity. In relation to marriage, cultivate the feeling that this not to be touched quickly or handled casually or treated commonly. Scripture makes a big deal of marriage. Husband, wife, Christ in the church, the way we love each other in marriage is meant to draw people to the love of Jesus Christ that they see the relational, transformational power of Jesus and say, wow, that is so cool. How is your marriage so much different than everybody else's? Say, well, let me tell you. Grace, forgiveness, sacrifice, Jesus, the source of all of them. Because we're all messed up. We just are. And with God's grace and forgiveness, we can have relationships that stand out from the world. Look at marriage through the scripture. Marriage is the relationship that preceded the fall. Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding feast. Expensive weddings evidently went all the way back to the New Testament. Marriage is to be a picture of Christ in the church. The Bible culminates with a wedding. I preached in a church down in Nashville, and this girl came up to me who was single, and she wanted to be married. She wasn't married, and she came to me and teared up and said, I was so excited by your sermon. She said, I'm, I'm getting ready for my true husband. <laughs> Jesus, the wedding supper of the Lamb. She said, I was so excited about spending the rest of my life getting ready to meet my true and only everlasting husband. Well, listen to Revelation. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Literally, the foundation of society is the health of marriage. Healthy children, healthy youth, stable finance. It's all built on healthy marriage. Listen to what the Puritan Daniel Rogers says. Marriage is the foundation of society, the seed plot of the church, the pillar of the world. It is a foundation of order, of countries, and cities. And more important than that, one pastor states, it is the relationship between a husband and wife that should be a living metaphor of the relationship between Christ and the church. Marriage is a gift given by God for us to enjoy. In Ecclesiastes, it says, enjoy life with the wife you love all the days of your life. So if marriage is this big a deal in Scripture, this big a deal, 
you can bet the enemy is going to come, come at it full bore. Since 1970, the marriage rate has dropped by 60%. Struggling marriages, they're hard on all of us. I mean, people that are separated, that have been through difficult times, it is brutal beyond what you can imagine. Listen to Proverbs 30. Under three things, the earth trembles. Under four, it cannot bear up. A slave, when he becomes king, and a fool when he's filled with food, and an unloved woman when she gets a husband. As I was getting ready to preach this morning, I was looking around, and I was just so proud to be part of this church. There's so many fighters in here. There's so many people that have been through difficult times and have hung on and fought to have decent and good marriages, have persevered through difficult times. There's those that have been divorced that have found grace and contentment and forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ and are thriving. I'm proud to be part of this body. But I want this body to go to war for God's institution of marriage. It's become a laughing stock of society. When people think of marriage, it's this old, archaic thing that people make fun of. 40% of young Americans now believe it to be an obsolete concept. Listen to some of the quotes you'll find on the internet about marriage. Getting married is like trading the adoration of many for the sarcasm of one. Marriage is a wonderful institution, but who wants to live in an institution? I love being married. It's so great to find that one person you want to annoy the rest of your life. Some mornings I wake up grouchy. Other mornings I just let him sleep. Getting married is like putting, getting into a tub of hot water. After you get used to it, it ain't so hot. I think men who have a pierced ear are better prepared for marriage. They've experienced pain and they've bought jewelry. One day my wife's credit card got stolen. What a relief it was to find that the thief spends less than my wife. But when, when you think marriage comes up, right now, stuff like that comes to their mind. It's seen as boring. It's seen as traditional. It's seen as restrictive. And guess what is time for the body of Christ to do? To completely rebrand it by the way we live it out. So when people think of marriage, they think of affection. They think of joy. They think of sacrifice. They think of heroic love. And then, when, then what happens? Marriage is held in honor among all and not ridiculed by most. Right now, society is drawn toward destructive things. Fifty Shades of Grey grows $570 million. But society's not attracted to marriage. And why is that? As one famous actor joked, marriage, it's just 50 shades of okay. And when we try to get people to come to Ignite, we try to get people involved in our marriage ministry. A lot of you have, and thank you. But those who do not, what's one of the primary reasons they give us? We're okay. Well, we're okay is killing us. We are fine is killing us. And when people come to my office miserable with kids struggling, coming from divorced families, trying to hang on, it's because they were okay with an okay marriage 
one little too long. So what what we're asking you to do is to hold marriage and honor in your home and to make it more important than other things. Giving it priority or honor is to treat it as more important than other things. Tim Keller says, the marriage relationship is the most important relationship, even more important than the parent-child relationship. God did not put a parent and a child in the Garden of Eden. Rather, he put a husband and wife together. As the most important relationship you'll ever have, it must get more investment and energy from you than anything else. Nothing in your life is more important or deserving of your attention and care. Of course, if your marriage is your focus, you'll even be a better parent as well. Focus on your spouse and the relationship with your children will thrive. Focus on your children to the neglect of your spouse and your family will crumble. Right now, what we're seeing is people are running full speed stressed after a bunch of nothing. I want a nicer home. I want a lake house. I want a funded retirement. I, want, I hope my kid can start on a high school team someday. And those aren't necessarily wrong in themselves, but when they come ahead of your marriage and key relationships, they become destructive because the norm has become what I call a functional coexistence. Two people working really hard to get everything done, get the bills paid, and make sure the kids are loved well, but then there's no real joy-filled marriage below it, and it's hurting us. And instead of pursuing a growing marriage, trying to put Jesus Christ on display and draw people to him, we just find some norm we can tolerate and then resist requests to invest. God is a God of growth and beauty, not a God of finding a norm you can tolerate. And the investment asked for in marriage, it's not as the world is calling you to. Now, listen to what scripture says. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. So what's the, so husbands, What's your call to investment in your marriage? Your life. Your whole life. Like Christ gave his life for you, you're to give it for your spouse. Why? To show people their true hope, Jesus Christ. And giving your life isn't trying to find some, something that you want. It's not negotiating, trying to find something that she's okay and I'm okay with. It's laying it all down for her to show people that Jesus Christ laid it all down for me and he's your hope. It's hurting for your spouse. It's sacrificing for your spouse. It's giving time, money, and energy for your spouse. It's giving your spouse grace and forgiveness and not complaining about where they need it. It's prioritizing your spouse's preferences over your own. And we'll start with the primary investment needed for a healthy marriage, and that is time. Matthew 6, 21 says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And But the greatest treasure we have that's limited is our time. And what's most important to us is where we put our time. When I do crisis counseling, I said, time is the container to grow a marriage. 
You can't have a great marriage unless you give it a big time container to grow in. And when I say time, can it be one-on-one, husband and wife, undistracted, not double dates, not going to event together, but spending time talking and connecting together. Look at this plant. This plant is not doing well. Why? It is in too small a pot. And if it does not have a large enough pot to grow in, it will not mature and it will die. So think of marriage the same way. It needs a big pot of time. Look at these different pots. You can decide, do I want want my marriage to grow in this one, this one, this one, or this one? And the bigger container of time you give your marriage, the more likely your marriage is to grow. It's sad and almost comical when I say, hey, I I really want you to spend five hours a week of undistracted one-on-one to make time together each week. What do I, oh, we can't do that. We can't do that. My kids got volleyball tryouts, two games a week practice. We, we can't do that. I said, so you can spend an average of 12 hours a week per kid's activity, but you can't give five hours a week to your own marriage. That's jacked up, that's upside down, and that's part of what's killing our marriages and killing our society. It's gonna, it has to flip that I'm gonna sacrifice things for my marriage. I'm not gonna sacrifice my marriage for other things. So what we're asking to do on November 4th is just give four hours to your marriage and agree to give it four hours every 90 days to plan, to celebrate, and to connect. And then to agree that between our 90 days, we're going to spend time together consistently. And you do that through time blocking. Time blocking is where you just put an X off a certain time, and that's what I'm going to spend doing it. Marilyn and I have done this in our marriage for 26 years. We X off three to five hours each week, and that's for us. We tell our kids, that's for us. Complain all you want. We need a break from you. <laughs> and I mean it. I love them, but I need a break from them. They're not at this service. They're at the next one. But Cal Newport, the author of Deep Work, Time Blocks, he spends 20 minutes a day planning the next day. What if we just spent 20 minutes a week Planning our marriage for the week, it would change everything. And we're in a distracted society. There's two two big problems. One, there's not much time. And two, when we do have time, what do we do? We watch television or we're, the term I wasn't aware of is called a fubber. Have you ever heard the term fubbing? Fubbing is now like a real term. Fubbing is somebody that prioritizes their phone over people. That's what a fubber looks like. So we give time and we Focus our time. And right now, we have to fight the enemy of two. That's T-O-O. When we ask people to invest in their marriage and sign up for marriage ministry, what do we get? I'm too busy. We have too many kids' activities. We're too strapped financially. We had one grace marriage group that had 25 couples in it. All 25 couples that had helped our marriage we loved it, we connected, we grew, and we, had, we, we would invite somebody else. Guess how many re-signed up? Three of 25. And like 20 of those 22, you know what the reason they gave? We got too many kids sports, and we, you know, we got stuff every Saturday, every weekend, we can't do it. Prioritizing children over marriage is hurting our children, and it's hurting our marriages. A friend of mine was quoted as, I decided I'm unwilling to sacrifice our entire lives in hopes that my child will be an above average high school athlete. (laughs) 
you think about it. I mean, I'm not against youth sports. I played sports, and there's nothing wrong with them. But the way it's evolved in our society is just insane. It's insane. And it's believers, it's time to say, we're not going to be conformed to the patterns of that world. We are going to align our lives like Scripture says. And people are starting to realize, an article in the Atlantic magazine reads, these days, middle-class families run ragged by their kids' competitive sports are achingly common across America. Weekends are devoured by tournaments and practices. Family dinners replaced by mandatory strength training and vacations forever postponed. The article goes on to say, as a result of sports, mothers and fathers frequently find themselves giving up the integrity of the family of the whole. Besides so much else that's wrong with contemporary elite youth sports, the prohibitive cost, erosion of fun, epidemic of injuries, and disrupted families should be added to that list. It's time. It is time. And it's overdue. For us today, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And for me and my house, marriage will be a priority over work, kids, and other things. Because what Keller said is true. If anything comes ahead of your marriage except Jesus Christ, your marriage will slowly die. And some say, well, finances are a barrier. You can date for nothing. You know, they'll let you sit on the river for free. Our first year of marriage, we'd brew a pot of coffee, put it in a thermos, and go sit down there and drink coffee, and our total day costs about a buck and a quarter. We'll spend money on other things. One pastor in Nashville said, my people spend more on mulch than they do their marriage. That's why I do my own mulch. The average wedding cost right now is $31,000. You could sign up for our marriage ministry and be in it for 155 years for this amount. Boy, we spend a lot of time, money, and effort planning a wedding. Boy, we spend almost no time, effort, or money living out of marriage. And that's messed up. We look for every reason not to invest. There's a Justin Moore song. I guess it's for Jameis. His country music thing can pass on through me. He has a country song called That's Why We Drink. And the whole song points out how everything's a reason for people to drink in society. We drink because it's Friday. We drink because it's Monday. We drink because we're sad. We drink because we're happy. We drink because our team won. We drink because our team lost. But with marriage, it's the opposite. We don't invest forever. We don't invest because our marriage is doing fine. We don't invest because we don't like each other and it's doing. We don't. We don't come on a Saturday morning because wow, the weather's really nice. We don't come on a Saturday morning. Wow, the weather's really bad. Everything has become a reason not to invest. And it's time to say, I'm going to grow a God-glorifying marriage. And to encourage, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not like you're out of shape and you go to Planet Fitness for a week. It's, whoa, look at me. It worked. No, it's consistent investment over a long period of time that creates health. In marriage, it's consistent investment over a long period of time that brings health. So I ask you, what is coming ahead of your marriage? Is it your job, your ministry, your children, your hobbies, other relationships? Is your phone a distraction? Because we, we say this because marriage done right is an amazing gift. 
It's like if you decide, wow, I'm going to do fun things with my spouse every week, it's the best spiritual work you'll do. The most fun thing I do in Christian obedience is date Marilyn Rose. I love going through the hard stuff with her, even though it's hard and it's hard now. I love going through the good stuff with her because there's nobody rather celebrate than her. But why is that? It's because I spend more time with her than anybody else. And because I spend time with her, I want to spend time with her. And if you start spending time together, you'll find yourself wanting to spend time together. So first, to hold marriage in honor among all, we treat with honor in our homes, with our time, with our money, with our priorities. We get rid of the bad stereotypes and replace them by the way we live it out. And second, we hold marriage in honor among the church. Scripture says the church is to be the salt and light of the earth. Well, in the Old Testament and in New Testament times, salt was a moral preservative, right? So they'd put it in the meat so the meat wouldn't spoil. So the church is to be the moral preservative of society. It's what preserves a healthy society as a healthy church. And when the church abandons marriage and doesn't have marriage ministry, it leaves marriage to the society. And that's what we've done. 72% of churches have no marriage ministry. And what's happened over marriage over the last 60 years? It's time for that to change. And praise God at Pleasant Valley, we have a vibrant marriage ministry. We have about 100 couples that are in our marriage ministry. And the couples that aren't, we're asking you to join it today. There's been a lack of priority of marriage in the church, a lack of priority in the homes, and then we've had societal decline. One pastor friend of mine called me and said, Brad, I'm convicted. And I said, what are you convicted of? He goes, well, I was looking at my budget. I've got more in my landscaping budget than my marriage budget. Most churches will have either no marriage budget or their marriage budget will be a very small fraction of the cost of a full-time person in another ministry area. And then when I talk to other churches about raising their marriage budget, but when you talk to them about the theological and practical implications of marriage, their eyes are open and they fund it and they change. So we're blessed at PVCC. We have a church that prioritizes marriage. And we have big plans as part of next for our marriage ministry here. Our Ignite event on November 4th, we have room for 116 couples. We already have 50 couples signed up. We're praying that it fills, the rest of them fill up here. In a few years, the plan is to have three or 400 couples in it and, it and to draw people from community to the love of our marriages into this church, into this congregation to hear the message of Jesus Christ. We pray that we become a hub to train other churches to do marriage ministry within a few years that there are five, six, seven hundred pastors in our new sanctuary, and we are training them how to do marriage ministry well, and we are part of a massive movement to reclaim marriage. Because I'm sick and tired of watching it fall apart and then having to beg people to give it an hour a week. I'm just tired of it. And then meeting in my office watching broken families miserable as a result of a failure to invest. This reactive crisis response model is killing us. And it's time for it to change. I don't want to have to argue with people to give their marriage time and then counsel them for 30 hours later. 
So I ask you, if your marriage is okay, if your marriage is fine, if your marriage is thriving, if you're struggling, if you're separated, come on November 4th. Join us in our marriage ministry. Be part of the solution. Now I recognize that marriage is about the hardest sermon for a lot of you to hear. There's widows, there's widowers that would give everything they have to have one more day with their spouse. There's people that are divorced. They've made mistakes. Well, I tell you, I've made mistakes, and unfortunately, I can't go back and fix any of them. But the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross and lived a perfect life to fix it for me, and I can live in freedom and joy despite having a pretty jacked up past. So my encouragement to you is that you're full of grace, you're full of forgiveness, you're full of excitement, and you say, I'm going to go war, go to war for marriage, whatever that looks like for me. I'm going to treat marriage an institution where I sacrifice for the benefit of another, not that I get frustrated at their lack of sacrifice for my benefit. So in conclusion, Andy's going to tell you how, but sign up for Ignite Bring a friend, and we're trying to entice with a free hotel room and deal with the lure. I mean, we're doing our best. So, so and thanks to Hampton, and they gave us the hotel room. So, But um, as the pastor in Atlanta said, if our marriages don't work, nothing we do works. An investment in the marriage is a good investment. Listen to Psalm 128, 2 through 4. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands, you shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Marriage is analogized to the relationship of Christ and the church. How do we show people the grace, the sacrifice, the beauty and the kindness and the goodness of God we do it by giving it to our spouse and bringing that analogy glory. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we uh, thank you for salvation. We thank you for marriage. We confess it's been handled terribly in our homes and in our church, but we know you're a God of power and a God of change. And we pray for you to move in the heart so this doesn't just just hit a bunch of brick walls and brick hearts and they all just go back to their lives, but that we change the way we do life to change the direction of society and to bring about revival. We love you, Jesus Christ. Amen. There'll be people up at the front if you want to talk about your marriage or you want to just talk about having a relationship with Christ. There'll be counselors and I'll be up front as well. Thank you. Thanks for checking out sermons from Pleasant Valley Community Church. For more resources and to give financially to support the missions and ministries of Pleasant Valley, find us on social media or visit our website at www.pleasantvalley.cc.